I'm going to pray now as we come to God's word. Let's pray. A gracious heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise that our Saviour has risen from the dead. As we think about the resurrection now, help us by your word and spirit to understand the significance and the beauty of this real moment in history. Help us to be like the women who responded to the risen Jesus with joy and worship. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Well, can you imagine the variety of emotions that the women at the tomb must have had as they experienced that very first Easter Sunday morning? Uh, The grief that was still raw as they walked up to the tomb of their Lord who had been so unjustly crucified, the terror as they felt the earthquake and encountered that angel of the Lord in all his glory, The bewilderment as the angel explained to them that Jesus wasn't there, that he'd risen. The increasing joy as they realized the tomb was truly empty. And the the irresistible desire to fall at Jesus' feet and worship him when they finally see him face to face. There's no doubt that the experience of this very first Easter Sunday was extraordinary and wonderful at every level for these women. Uh, Well, I think uh, many Victorians would say Easter 2021 has been a pretty extraordinary and wonderful experience also, but perhaps not in the same way that the women thought at the tomb. Uh, If news headlines and my conversations with my neighbours over the last uh, couple of days are anything to go by, the thing that many Victorians are finding extraordinary and wonderful about this Easter, this year, I think, is the weather. We've experienced the hottest Easter in decades, and people are loving it. A long weekend basking in the last glow of summer. Now, this is not to suggest that people don't know the original story of the original Easter story, but it is to say that many of us are failing to see the wonder and importance of Jesus' resurrection like the women did. You see, it's easy to see how beautiful weather and a long weekend actually benefits us. It allows us to go camping and have barbecues and enjoy the outdoors. But when it comes to Jesus rising from the dead 2,000 years ago, I suspect many people think that's nice for him and his followers back then, but what does it have to do with me? And why should I be excited about it in 2021? Well, tonight I want to show you from the Bible three big reasons why the resurrection of Jesus is more important, more wonderful than news of the moon landing or a cure for cancer and, yes, even a long, sunny weekend. See, the resurrection gives to you the certain truth that Jesus rules the world that you live in that he rescues you from sin that separates you from God and that he will raise you from the dead too if you trust in him. The resurrection is infinitely more important because it tells you Jesus rules, that he rescues and that he raises you. They're the three things I want to look at. 
And then we'll spend a little bit of time thinking about how the characters we just heard spoken of in Matthew 28, how they kind of give us some guidance in how to respond rightly to news of the resurrection so that we don't miss out on all its benefits. So let's think about that first one. Jesus rules the world. The resurrection matters because, Jesus, because it tells us Jesus now rules the world. You see, God did not raise Jesus to be a glorified carpenter with woodworking skills that we are to marvel at generation after generation. God raised Jesus to be a glorified king whose rule we are all to acknowledge, even today in 2021. And you see this in what Jesus says to his disciples when he meets them on the mountain after his resurrection. What does he say? Verse 18, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. See, the resurrection is not just a heartwarming story of an unjustly killed man getting his life back. It is God making Jesus Lord of all. Actually, this is what Jesus said would happen on the night of his death. When he was asked by his accusers if he really was the Christ, that is, God's promised king, how did he reply? You have said so. But I say to all of you, all my accusers, from now on you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. You see, in using that imagery, Jesus is saying, I'm on my way to be made ruler of heaven and earth. Now, can you imagine how crazy those words must have sounded to the religious authorities who were about to condemn Jesus to death? I mean, from their perspective, Jesus was, a, was powerless before them. But you see, in raising Jesus from the dead, in seating him on his throne in heaven, God proved those words to be true. So already we actually see that the resurrection has huge implications for us. It shows us that there is someone in charge of our world and that God has made that someone Jesus. The empty tomb tells you that you have to start seeing the crucified and now risen Jesus as the ultimate ruler of your life. See, it matters how you treat the one that God's put in charge. Think about your workplace for a moment. How crazy would it be, right, if you went into work each day just totally ignoring the authority of your boss, the one who holds your job and your well-being, your financial well-being in her hand? Imagine if you simply avoided her every time she came into the lunchroom. Imagine if you just ignored her emails and directions. Imagine if you just chose instead to do your things, your things your way, not her way. Well, you might last for a little while, but eventually your attitude would catch up with you. Your boss's patience would wear out, and out you'd go. See, we know how crazy it is to do that to our boss. How much more infinitely crazy is it to treat God's risen King like that? To live like Jesus is not important, as though he's dead, not alive. To ignore him and what he says, to live life on our terms, not his terms, this is actually what the Bible calls sin. 
You see, sin is not just doing bad things, right? Sin is a heart attitude that says, Jesus does not have to rule my life. But God says there will come a day when that attitude will catch up to us. Because he is God's true ruler, we'll all have to face up to Jesus on that last day of judgment and give an account for how we've treated him and treated God. Uh, Paul, a New Testament writer, tells us in Acts chapter 17 that in the past God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. That is to change your thinking about Jesus. Start following him now as Lord. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. See, the resurrection shows us that Jesus rules over our world and that we will all have to answer to him one day. But the resurrection also shows us that Jesus' death for us is sufficient to rescue us from the consequences of our sin on that day of judgment. Which leads us to the second point. So first, Jesus rules our world, but second, the resurrection matters because it assures us that Jesus rescues us from sin through his sacrifice on the cross. You see, in the lead-up to Jesus' death, uh, there were two opposite views of what was going on in his death. See, on the one hand, you have Jesus who saw his death as a rescue mission by which his shed blood on the cross would bring forgiveness of sins to those who trust him, as we read in the Last Supper there. Jesus would take our penalty for sin on himself and he would bring to us forgiveness. Jesus saw it as a rescue mission. But on the other hand, you had the religious rulers uh, who saw Jesus' death as a fitting crime for blasphemy and evidence that God had basically wholly rejected Jesus. You see this in how they taunt him when he's hanging on the cross, right? Verse 43, he trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. See what they're saying there? If Jesus, if he was God's man, well, God wouldn't let him hang up there. God would rescue him. So who are we to believe? How do we know if God really did accept Jesus' death as an offering for sin, like Jesus said? Or if instead God rejected Jesus as a blasphemer and deceiver, and his death was just evidence of that, like the religious rulers said? The resurrection of Jesus is God's way of saying to us, Jesus was right. His death really did bring forgiveness and really will rescue you from God's wrath on the last day, just as Jesus said it would. So again, we see another huge implication for you about the resurrection. It says that you can be sure that if you trust in Jesus and what he did for you at the cross, that that death will be effective to cleanse you of your sin, all the shameful things in your life that you know God will take an issue with on the last day, the cross 
can bring you forgiveness. You see, without the resurrection, the religious rulers would have been proven to be right about Jesus' death. Jesus' rescue mission to save sinners would have been just an epic failure without the resurrection. If God didn't raise Jesus like Jesus said would happen, it would just show Jesus to be deluded about who he was and what he'd come to do. It would just show him to be someone who was maybe full of good intentions, yet totally ineffective to save us. He'd be like a wannabe lifeguard kind of running into the surf to save a drowning person, only for both people to end up dead. As Paul says uh, in 1 Corinthians 15, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. See, no resurrection, no forgiveness. No resurrection, no rescue on the day of judgment because you will still have to bear your sins before God on your own. The resurrection made sure Good Friday was actually good for us, not just regular Friday. Because it proves that God was satisfied by what Jesus did on the cross on our behalf. The resurrection is almost like a neon sign above the cross saying, this works. If you want to be forgiven by God, Jesus' death is sure to do it for you. The resurrection matters because it assures you that Jesus really can rescue you through his death on the cross for your sins. But third, the resurrection matters because it assures us that Jesus will also raise us up from the dead if we trust him. Isn't that beautiful? See, it can be a terrifying thing to contemplate your own death. To think that a day will come when you'll no longer be able to feel the embrace of a loved one. Or to think that you'll never again feel the warmth of the sun on a lovely Easter weekend. To think that all of the good things that you enjoy about life will just be switched off. Well, the resurrection of Jesus assures us that life in all its fullness will be switched back on after death in a real and infinitely better way. Jesus' resurrection guarantees our resurrection from the dead. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul says, We know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. In 1 Corinthians 15, we read, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen, to, fallen asleep, that is, believers who have died. See, Paul is saying in that verse up there that Jesus' resurrection is like almost like the first tomato that you pick from the plant in the summer. That tomato is more than just a delicious little red treat. It's actually a sign of, more tomatoes to come, telling you that the harvest is on its way. God wants us to look at the resurrection of Jesus and think, more of that is coming, coming to us if we trust him. 
God's ruler has rescued us from sin and will raise us up bodily to life, to life bodily on the last day. And it is a bodily resurrection that we're talking about here because that's how Jesus was raised. See, Jesus wasn't raised as a mere ghost or hologram. When the women see Jesus, we read that they came and clasped his feet. You can't do that with a ghost. The resurrection says that Jesus has so thoroughly defeated death that his followers can look forward to the complete reversal of death and decay by raising us up to live with him in a new and glorified body. Now just, just think for a moment, with that as our backdrop, how terribly inadequate the world's response to death is compared to that. Now there are many different approaches that the world around us takes to deal with the uncomfortable reality of death, but I think there are three particular ways that most Aussies tend to deal with death. I think I've mentioned these before, but here they are again. Distraction, prevention, delusion. You see, we distract ourselves from thinking about death as Aussies, I think. You know, it's easier that way. Entertainment, study, keeping busy... We don't like to think about it. But you know how it goes, though. An ad will come on the TV warning you about the effects of skin cancer and you get that little pang of anxiety as you look down at the mole on your arm. But instead of thinking about that in any more detail, you quickly change the channel to find the closest sitcom that you can find. And you lean back and think, ah, comic relief. But you see, the problem is that ignoring death just won't simply make it go away. It's always the same result. It'll be there in the end. But we also try to prevent it. Uh, We watch what we eat. We go to the gym. We take all the vitamins and minerals and medicines. Now, that might work for a while, right? But ultimately, fit people still grow old, still get sick, still die. And simply buying a little bit more time isn't a real solution, is it? It just puts off the inevitable a little bit longer. But we also make up delusions to give us a sense of comfort in the face of something so terrible. Uh, Maybe we tell ourselves it will become a star in the sky or, or some such thing. But the reality is that our delusions are just that, not based in any fact or history, And they offer no real hope. You see, the problem with distraction, prevention, and delusion is that they're all just ultimately useless in actually dealing with death. But if you know the risen Jesus, you actually have something better than distraction, prevention, or delusion. You have resurrection. Jesus' resurrection matters because it assures us of our resurrection from the dead. You see, why is the resurrection of Jesus so extraordinary, so wonderful? Why should it matter to you? Because it tells you that Jesus rules over your world, that he rescues you from sin, and that he will raise you up on the last day. That's what the resurrection says. Now, wouldn't it be a shame 
to miss out on what Jesus and his resurrection have to offer you. Wouldn't it be a tragedy uh, to be someone who thought the best thing that Easter had to offer you was a long, sunny weekend? You see, it's important we know how to respond rightly to something so good, something so important. So let's think about that now as we look at the responses in the Bible passage we just heard read of the guards, the religious rulers, the women and the disciples. How do they respond to the resurrection? See, God is showing us, I think, in the first two examples how not to respond and in the last two, how to respond. So what about the guards? Well, I think God is telling us here not to be like the guards who missed out on the benefits of the resurrection for fear of what it might cost them in this life. So you remember what happened in the story? It was portrayed so wonderfully by Simon. When Jesus was buried, the guards were posted outside the tomb so nobody stole Jesus' body. But on the Sunday morning, an angel of the Lord came down. He rolled the stone away. Jesus is now raised. The guards had seen the power of God in the glory of the angels. It's so overwhelming for them that they shake and become like dead men. Verse 4. Now, it's important that you see the dilemma uh, of these guards when they regain their consciousness. And I think Simon did bring that out well. See, on the one hand, they, they had just experienced the terrifying power of Jesus' resurrection and the activity of the angel. But on the other hand, they now had a new fear of being held responsible for failing at the one job they were given. What would you do in their position? Would you want to follow up that spiritual experience of that angel to find out what God might be saying to you, what he might be up to in that moment, even if it costs you? Or would you want to put that experience to the side in order to save your skin at the moment, in that moment? See, tragically, the guards actually choose to save their own skin. Instead of running to Jesus' disciples for answers to the experience, they run to Jesus' enemies for a solution to their immediate problem. And they kind of find a solution, don't they? I mean, the religious rulers promise that they'll keep them out of trouble and then they offer them a large sum of hush money if they'll just lie about what actually happened. And they do it, don't they? See, though they may not have actually realised it at the time, the guards chose fleeting earthly security over eternal security that comes through trusting in the risen Jesus who rules the world, rescues from sin, and promises to raise us up. Jesus told us not to be like that. In Mark chapter 8, Jesus said, For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world to keep their job and take a large sum of money, yet forfeit their soul. See, the guards are a warning to us not to put what you've heard about the resurrection of Jesus to the side in order to make the short life you live a little easier, a little more, less complicated. Because following the risen Jesus will cost you. 
Maybe not in the way the guard, it might have costed the guards, but it will cost you. Following Jesus will perhaps make people think that you're weird. Living Jesus' way might make your relationships at work or at uni or within your family quite complicated. But Jesus is saying to you, it's worth it. Because I rule this world, I can rescue you from sin, and I can raise you up on the last day. See, where else are you going to get that promise in this world? Will you put the resurrection of Jesus to the side in your life? Or will you follow it up, investigate it, and find out what it's actually giving you? Don't be like the guards. But don't be like the religious rulers either who clung to their pride in the face of the resurrection. See, one of the biggest reasons the religious leaders of Jesus' day hated him so much was because he kept telling them that they were sinners too, that they too needed Jesus to wash them clean of sin through his death on the cross. They hated hearing this because they saw themselves as basically good people who didn't need Jesus to forgive them. They would not humble themselves to see Jesus either as their saviour and certainly not as their Lord. And that's why even when the guards tell them the whole picture of what happened in that moment, they just refuse to believe it or willfully deny it and choose to go with a lie instead. And you see, I think it's a little bit easy to sort of think a bit like the religious rulers to be reluctant to buy into the whole I need forgiveness thing. It's easy to see ourselves as generally good people, or at least good enough for God people. But Jesus says, though we may look outwardly nice, we actually have hearts that are in rebellion to God. Hearts are often selfish and, and hearts that are lust and covet and resist the rule of Jesus in our lives. To ignore the resurrection is to ignore what God has made clear about Jesus' death, that you need it to be forgiven and accepted by God. God cannot accept you in any other way except as Jesus brings you forgiveness through his death on the cross. Don't be like the religious rulers and miss out. You need the risen Jesus to rescue you. You see, the right response to the resurrection is actually seen in the women and then the disciples. You see, how do the women respond to Jesus' resurrection? Well, they don't put the resurrection to the side. They don't ignore it. They respond with joyful worship of Jesus himself. You see it there in verse 9 of Matthew 28. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. See, the the guards clung to earthly security, the religious leaders clung to pride, the women clung to Jesus, clung to him in worship. And that's how you should respond to Jesus. See, to worship Jesus is to love him and serve him more than anything else in your life. It is to believe he is who he says he is, to follow him as your ruler, your rescuer, the one who will raise you up. That is how Jesus wants you to respond to him. And so if you're here tonight and you haven't yet responded to Jesus in worship, 
making him the center of your life, receiving his forgiveness, receiving the good promise of life in the face of death, why not make tonight the night where you do that? I'm happy to have that conversation with you after the service or at some other time, as I'm sure other Christians would be too. But perhaps you still have some doubts about Jesus. And this is normal, right? In fact, you see it uh, there in verse 27 that some of Jesus' very first followers actually hesitated and had doubts as others around them began worshipping him. What's interesting is that Jesus isn't turned off by such people. The very next statement says that Jesus came to them. He doesn't pull back from, uh, from you when you're still figuring him out. He wants to keep speaking to you, showing you who he is. And sometimes people just need time to process who Jesus is and what his death and resurrection fully means for them. And so if that's you, let me encourage you to join our next Christianity Explored course. That could be one way uh, you process some of these claims. I think Christianity Explored provides a good place in which you can get answers to find out about the truth of Jesus and what he does for you in his death and resurrection. You see, the claims of the resurrection that we've heard tonight are just too big and good not to follow up. But for those of you who are a Christian, let me encourage you to be like the disciples, who Jesus commanded to go and share the good news of his rule and his rescue and his future resurrection for his people. In verse 17, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. You see, at Easter, Jesus is calling us not just to come and see the empty tomb, but to go and tell of its benefits to others. To share with them the good news of his resurrection. I was interested to see how they did the Easter egg hunt at my daughter's kinder recently. All the kids were sent off to find as many eggs as they could around the kinder. But then they were told to place all the eggs in a giant bucket so that every kid could enjoy them at the end. And it was actually good that they did that because all the eggs were quickly found by about a handful of really quick children. And many of the children just totally missed out, even though they were running everywhere. But you see, the kinder teachers were operating on the general principle that it's actually good to share good things with others. And that is what Jesus calls his followers to do in response to his resurrection. Now that we know the good news that he's a ruler, that who rescues and raises up, it's actually right for us to share that with others. We don't want to keep that news to ourselves and be like a child eating all his chocolates behind the couch, just for me, not for you. We want others to come and know that joy in Jesus for themselves. Now, at one level, sharing Jesus with others 
uh, is intimidating. Sometimes we find those conversations awkward. In fact, I was talking to my neighbor yesterday, and I was convicted by how much I joined her in talking up the glories of a sunny long weekend and how little I helped her see the glory of a risen Savior. On Easter Saturday, of all the good opportunities. But you see, the good news of what Jesus says in that last verse in, 28, in chapter 28 is that he's with us as we continue to struggle to follow him perfectly. Jesus is patient with us, he's gracious with us, and he'll still be with us and able to help us as we commit to sharing the good news of Easter in the next conversation. Surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. Easter 2021 might feel very far removed from that very first Easter Sunday. Ours feels a little bit more long weekends and barbecues than it does fainting guards and terrifying angels. But if you take the resurrection seriously, as you've heard about it tonight, you too will come to know the joy of those first women and those disciples who came to see the risen Jesus as the one who rules the world, who rescues from sin, and who will raise you up at the last day. I'm going to pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the resurrection of our Lord Jesus. Thank you that in raising Jesus from the dead, you give us assurance that he now rules our world, that his atoning death rescues us from sin, and that he will one day also raise us up bodily to life forevermore. Help us to be like the women who cling to Jesus as the object of our worship all our days. In his name we pray. Amen.